Kale and Company, weekday mornings, 6 till 10. Monster. Welcome back in. I for Kale and Company. <laughs> I like the remix of this song. I do too. Mustard in an elevator. Mustard. <laughs> A lot of things you can do in the elevator. Welcome back in. Nick, Dawn, and Greg. Live here on a Tuesday morning. Final hour underway. Talk radio 1210 WPHT. Morning mystery movie clip in 15 minutes. What's on the cut sheet part due at the bottom of the hour. Also, what's on tap for the Dawn Show, who on Twitter and YouTube today, and today in music history. For those of you waiting for that, just a mere 48 minutes from now. Also, a beef that was actually real, not just on the screen on television, that played out behind the scenes in real life. Great story. How excited are you to get to this story? You know, of all the stories you have found in 17 months, Mm -hmm. this one could be in the top three. Wow. (laughs) Could be in the top three. Just saying. I, I was just, Don, you know, I, I try and find <laughs> stuff that I think our audience will like, but I also find stuff uh, that that I think the host will like as well. Um, and this one is just purely... And I will bring it back something to... Something that I think you'll... Yeah. You enjoy. I don't know how much the audience will, but... No, they do. They do. They absolutely do. <laughs> A lot of them do. Um, as much as I know they love... Mustard. That drop, they love this story. Um, and this guy actually fought the battle that Mr. Mustard himself um, has championed, uh, but he was doing it 35 years ago, and they called it political correctness uh, before it got rebranded as wokeness. So we'll get to that story. Uh, but Kamala Harris front and center because... And we'll get to the left and what they're going to do here, because I think I know their exact agenda here. But I do want to start, and I mentioned this book before, and the story that we're about to bring up from the Daily Mail is actually from an excerpt in this book called Amateur Hour, written by Charlie Spir- uh, Spiring, uh, Kamala Harris in the White House, Amateur Hour. And it quotes a lot of different sources that spoke to the writer of this book. But, you know, you would think that when you offer very little, and it's obvious that you are, and I've said this many times on this show, that Kamala Harris is the face. She's the poster child of DEI hires. And the reason that they will never get rid of her is because it would be a massive admission that DEI does not work. So Kamala Harris, but so my point being, when you're already in a position where people think you got the job for a reason beyond your merit and your deservingness to, you know, and the, the, the skins on the wall and your accolades to fill a position, you probably shouldn't be a pain in the butt. You probably shouldn't be difficult to work with. And you should be grateful that you got the position that you have. But Kamala Harris apparently refuses to be a team player. And she has been labeled as a disastrous and comical first couple of years as vice president. The Daily Mail with this exclusive, where they say the following. As Kamala Harris hits the 24 presidential campaign trail in hopes of securing a second term alongside Joe, a new tell-all lifts the lid on the pair's now frosty relationship and how the president and first lady Jill cannot stand nor trust The Vice President, Kamala Harris. In the new book, Amateur Hour, Kamala Harris in the White House, which was published last Tuesday, veteran Washington journalist Charlie Spiring lifts the lid on the tension between the ill-matched pair, largely thanks to Harris's refusal to be a team player, contending that America's historic first black female second-in-command is just a brain stroke away from the presidency 
He claims the real reason Biden decided to run for a second term is not because Trump is running for a second term. It's because Kamala is not up to the job and the Bidens do not want to see her replace him. He goes on to say Biden's actual first choice for his running mate four years ago in 2020 was Gretchen Whitmer, 52, uh, the recently elected governor of Michigan, while the first lady fought against choosing Harris in favor of Susan Rice, a top Barack Obama confidant and national security advisor in his administration. But Biden chose Kamala because he promised the nation he would choose a black woman as his running mate. Whitmer is, of course, white. And in this very timely forensic explanation and examination of Kamala's turbulent, turbulent political and private life, they explore what is not reported in the mainstream media, that one of the most popular games amongst Democrat powers in the so-called swamp of the Capitol these days is a game called How Do You Fix Kamala Harris? So this is, I think, very fascinating because it really does highlight what many of us have either speculated or known. Look, if you want to say, take it with a grain of salt, it's a book. Somebody's trying to make a publication and make a dollar off of it. Okay, that's fair. Um, I think you can always be skeptical of somebody's agenda and the accuracy of what they are claiming when they are trying to elevate their own career. Uh, but according to Spiring, Democrats have abandoned the notion that Harris could take over for Biden in 24 because, quote, she lacked one of the most basic political skills, simply answering questions. Her inability to communicate has sparked a crisis of confidence in the Democratic Party. Her convoluted word salads and curious cackle come at inappropriate times in public and in private. And before cameras have become infamous and humorous fodder for cable news shows, late night TV hosts and print media to run wild. As Spearberg uh, Spiring wrote, uh, writes, quote, her speeches lacked conviction and have spiraled into word salads. Tough questions were answered with laughter and dismissal, which is, I think, really telling because we talk about it. We mock her. We play her on the cut sheet. But the reality is. They and this this should come as no surprise to anybody. I think I think everything I just read, everyone's like, "Yep, no doubt about it." We've we've kind of figured that out from day one. And this goes back to the big take this morning. Everything always seems to kind of loop back around full circle. Where I said the Dems are in double trouble. You have Joe Biden, who we played you that clip this morning from Friday, where he tried to tell you he had a conversation with a lady named Deborah. He asked where Deborah was. He looked around. Then he tries to make a joke that Deborah left. And then all of a sudden has a thought that re-enters his mind that Deborah was never there in the first place. So he's just he's completely out on his feet and they don't want him out there in public, which is why you will not see him campaign a ton. He certainly will not debate and they will try to do what they did in 2020, but I don't think it'll work. And then you've got Fetterman out there. He's saying all the things that Republicans are saying. And yet you have Kamala Harris where they can't trot her out for anything other than our next story, which is abortion. And this is where I think we are going to have the conversation. And if, 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 I say if, let me repeat it 30 times, like Trump saying Nikki, 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 or Fetterman saying 95, 95, 95. If Joe Biden gets reelected, there is no doubt in my mind the national media will say Joe Biden got reelected because Kamala Harris was exceptional 
touring the country for her 2024 abortion tour, which, by the way, started yesterday. For those that are not paying attention, (laughs) she started yesterday. It was day number one, and they are going to get ready to prop her. This is the last stand for Kamala Harris. First of all, if Trump wins, she's out of a job. She's going back to the Bay Area. I don't know what she'll do, but she'll do something. But if they win and they get reelected and we get four more years of Biden and Harris, there's no doubt about it, especially the MSNBCs of the world, Joy Reid, Rachel Maddow, they are going to try to portray Kamala Harris as the MVP of the Super Bowl because she drove home the message on abortion. And I think you could trot out any female on the planet. And she would be the MVP with that message. Let me just say this, guys. She's out there touting the most important message mm-hmm. that the this administration has. So yep. would they trust her with that if they didn't think that she was up to it? I don't know. You know what I mean? She can't possibly screw this one up, right? I mean, I, I, and I, I don't <laughs> think I'm being sexist when I say it, but if you take any female Democrat right now, because yeah, I see we, what you're saying. we have yep. the stats. Yep. Republicans have lost every election post Roe v. Wade being sent back to be a state issue. So you could send out Stephanie Smith, and she could do the same thing Kamala Harris is doing. Poor Stephanie Smith. And if, and if you get in front of the right audience and you rile up that base... And you make it about you know female rights and health rights and uh, you know Trump's taking away abortion or the Supreme Court took away abortion or anything like that, you're going to have women showing up in droves to vote against Republicans. I, I don't yeah. think this is a Kamala Harris thing. I think it's just any female can do this. I really do. I want to I want to uh, play this uh, clip. I was going to save it for Kutchie Part Two, but since you're talking about it now, I want to play this. This is cut three, Phil. If you can grab it. Um, Kamala Harris was out on the abortion tour yesterday. You said that yesterday, playing the hits. Um, and she said that government should not be telling you what to do with your body. This is cut three guys go. My career as a prosecutor, specializing in crimes against women and children. What you may not know is one of the reasons why. So when I was in high school. Uh oh. <laughs> I learned that one of my best friends was being molested by her stepfather. Yep. And so I said to her, you got to come stay with us. I called my mother, and my mother said, of course she should. And she did. So the idea that someone who survives a crime that is violence to their body, a violation to their body, and then would not have the authority to decide what happens to their body next? That's immoral. It's immoral. She's playing the hits, guys. She's playing the hits. And let us all agree, one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held beliefs to agree the government should not be telling her what to do with her body. So she spikes the football as she crosses the end zone and breaks the plane there. And I don't watch The View. I don't watch MSNBC, Joe and Co., whatever that show is in the morning because I'm doing my own show. I'd be willing, I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that that clip is making the rounds today across mainstream media. I and, like and Joe and Co. Yeah, Joe, Morning Joe, yeah. Joe Scarborough, the whole bit. 
I'm, I'd be willing to bet that that is on the rundown for all the national talking head shows today around the country on MSNBC, ABC, The View, CBS News, you name it. Take it to the bank. Karen Finney, a veteran Democratic strategist, said the following in regards to Kamala Harris with this abortion tour. Quote, as a leader, now you can grab your barf bag here, but to the point being, Greg, you said playing the hits, and that's what they're doing. Quote, as a leader, she uniquely was able to meet the moment when Roe v. Wade was overturned, and she so galvanized the anger and fear people were feeling when the news came down that Roe was overturned. Quote, reproductive rights connect to a number of different issues, Finney added. Quote, having the vice president be able to say, we get it, we see you, we hear you, and we're fighting with you is critically important. Pretty, it, it, honestly, it's sad that you could just use one subject and that could get you reelected. When every other subject and every other topic, every other issue mm. clearly is not in their favor. They don't have immigration in, the, in, in their favor with the border, with the economy, with the inflation, with crime, with school issues in these culture wars. Everything is kind of worked against them, but they have the magic A. And that's that's their ace up the sleeve, Kamala Harris. So good luck with that if you can beat that. I just hope that she called police when she found out that her best friend in high school <laughs> was being raped and yeah. she was an underage girl. I'm sure she called authorities. Oh, so you're saying that, that there would be a record of that then, There right? would be that a record. Story. Mm. Because if, you, I, I, if you're I, I, a yeah. teenager. Point. Great point, Don. Yeah. And uh, you're a teenager, and your best friend has told you this. Certainly, you called the cops, or you took your you and your mom and your family took her to an ER. Well, mm-hmm. well wow! I I never um, I don't know because I'm looking this up. Yeah. She's told this story the past couple of years, but I'm simply saying, what did you do about it? I think it's a sin if you did nothing about it, sure. and your best friend had a cry for help and. Really, she came to live with you? Because there would be a record of all of this. So you're calling potentially Fugazi here. No, I'm just saying if you did, that would be great. Mm -hmm. If you had the best friend who was going through this horrifying situation come and live with you and you called police, and certainly the police would have then um, arrested that evil stepfather, Mm -hmm. that molester. Yep. Yep. Well said. I love how she brought up, too, the fact that I was, you know, back in my day when I was a prosecutor, I, you know, I defended women and children and I locked up all the bad guys. And now I'm a part of a movement that gives get out of jail for free cards to everybody. Very interesting pivot in her career. All right. 920 Tuesday morning. Let's get to the morning mystery movie clip. And now the morning mystery movie clip on Kalen Company. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. You count cards, right? All of you? As a team, yes. When? Weekends. And Christian holidays. <laughs> Where? Vegas, baby. So why are you telling me? Well, let's just say a spot opened up on our roster. How? Jimmy got a job at Google. <laughs> J- Jimmy got a job at Google? Yes, yeah, it's good. catchy, I know. Well, if you're making so much money at this, then why did he take it? Ben, I said Google, not Sizzler. No, Ben, this is profitable. Yeah, I, I can't do it. Think you 
you know what it is? Be call at 12 at 855-839-1210, and you could win this great prize. Oh, uh, one of my favorite, favorite movies. I think that's super easy, uh, but we'll see if you do, because I'm not eligible to win this prize, which is a copy of All the Light We Cannot See, a novel by Anthony Doerr. A book about a blind French girl and a German boy whose paths collide in occupied France as both try to survive the devastation of World War II. This is also a Netflix limited series, but you will get the copy of the book. If you can identify that movie clip, call her 12 855 839 1210. Ben, I said Jimmy got a job at Google, not Sizzler. <laughs> Great line. Back after this, Kale and Company. It's Kale and Company On Demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. This segment brought to you by Tommy D's Home Improvement Center. Renovating a kitchen or building one from the ground up, Tommy D's Home Improvement Center is your go-to for quality kitchen cabinets, flooring, and molding at affordable rates. Visit their showroom in Philadelphia or visit their website at TommyD's.com. All right, what's on the cut sheet part due in a couple of minutes? And also one of my favorite stories of the day. But first, we get to Michael, who's in Cherry Hill, and he's the Morning Mystery Movie Clip winner this morning. Michael, good morning. What movie clip did we play for you a few minutes ago? Hey, good morning. That was 21. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, uh, Kevin Spacey and uh, a few yes, others sir. in that movie. I think uh, was that Fort, not Forrest Whitaker. Uh, who's the guy that beats the crap out of the guys in the back for counting cards? I forget his name, but he's great as was well. Was that uh, Fishburn, Larry yeah. Fishburn, maybe? Lawrence Fishburn. That's correct. Yeah. Yep, Lawrence Fishburn. Congratulations, yeah, Michael. Movie. You got the book. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Yeah, you buddy. got it. Michael in Cherry Hill. Yeah, Fishburn pulls out all those big, like, Super Bowl rings, and then he punches that I, kid right in the face for counting cards. I've though. never seen that movie. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. 2005 is my guess. About right around the time I was graduating college when that movie came out, and I had um, ambitions and aspirations of being a professional poker player. So I watched that movie one night, and I'm like, Man, maybe I should learn how to count cards. For God's sake. Could be profitable, right? Your your career trajectory has taken you in a million places. I have a lot a lot of goals, <laughs> a lot of dreams, and then I realized I was good at like one thing only. Yeah. So here we are, <laughs> twenty years later. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. This is a great story um, in the world of entertainment. I I in my opinion, it is the greatest sitcom of all time. But I understand some people prefer Seinfeld. Some say Cheers. If you go animated, of course, you got The Simpsons. You can go back to the 70s, all sorts of, you know, Three's Company, Laverne and Shirley. A lot of great shows, right? Sure. But Married with Children has always been my number one. And I, I fell in love with that show when I was like 12 years old. They were at the point where the series was about to wrap up in 96 or 97. But apparently the beef between Al Bundy and Marcy Darcy is a real one. Uh, Ed O'Neill and Amanda Bierce, um, their real names... Uh, this story from Fox News, uh, apparently Ed O'Neill uh, explained on a podcast that they had a long-running, stifling feud with his longtime co-star, Marcy Darcy Chicken at Large. Um, so Ed O'Neill, now 77 years old, I always knew Marcy was a chicken, um, reflected on his tenure of the show, and he admitted that they had a feud with Amanda Bierce, and it says he says it's something that he regretted. He said the following, quote, we didn't get along, and we didn't for a long time. We were great friends, 
And uh, I don't want to speak for her, but it started when we got put on the cover of TV Guide. Well, you remember those days, TV Guide? Of course. Yeah. I'll never forget my mom at the grocery store. We'd be checking out. I'd always try to grab the TV guide and look at it, that in the National Enquirer. Um, and she would slap my hand and tell me to put it back. Um, <laughs> so you have this story about how apparently TV Guide said we can only fit so many people on the cover of it. So uh, Al Bundy was put on the cover of it, as well as David Garrison, who was Steve, who was his first, uh, Marcy's first husband, before she got divorced and married Jefferson. So uh, they said the following, quote, they were told that they could not be on the cover. They had a rule, and there was only so many that could be on the cover. And apparently they made an exception for two shows, and it was MASH and Dallas, two other historically great shows in the history of television. And they said that Bundy said that was the exception, and they were not going to do it for us, and that we were lucky to even be on the cover. Wow. Because obviously this was, I mean, this show really broke the, the mold and the trend of the, oh, everybody's got this beautiful family where we sit around and have dinner at the table and, you know, all the sappy tea. I mean, this was like counterculture mm-hmm. to everything. And uh, apparently that, that Al basically said the following, uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. You guys are not on the cover. He had to be the one to tell Marcy and Steve that they would not be on the cover. And apparently Marcy was really ticked about that. So that was a long-running feud. And this was early on in the series. Um, this this show went from about 86, 87 until 96, 97. 87 to 97. 87 yeah. to 97. Yeah. 11 seasons, 259 episodes. I've yeah. seen every single one of them at least five times. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them all on DVD. I don't know. Do people still have DVDs anymore? I do. Um, anyway, so this was a big issue. And I, I just to bring it back to, you know, kind of our wheelhouse here. And if you watch this show, you, you get it, you realize it. Al Bundy could not stand political correctness. And, you know, before we had things like Florida is where woke goes to die. Before DeSantis began his, you know, woke crusade, Al Bundy was fighting political correctness every single week on that show. To be fair, to be fair, Archie Bunker really started the anti-PC movement in the 70s. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's before before my time, but okay. Yeah, shows existed before you were alive. Uh, no, I get it, but from from what I can pull a frame of reference from, no, I get you. I it. get yeah. you. Yeah, but like, I mean, I'm sitting there as a 12 year old, and I'm like, this is this is the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and I'm a kid that grew up in the 90s with TGIF, right? Friday night on ABC, all of these good family sitcoms that were, you know comedy and funny but they were all loving dovey you know the the great family vibe and yet here you had married with children al hated his wife he hated his kids his kids hated each other the kids hated the parents it was like legitimately you talk about like a gen x perfect story a perfect sitcom that was the one so very interesting that al and marcy did not get along but then again i could see why all right, 9.33 as we get ready for a Tuesday edition of What's on the Cut Sheet Part 2. What's on the Cut Sheet? I do. What's on the Cut Sheet Part 2 is sponsored by Budget Blinds. BudgetBlinds.com is your one-stop shop for blinds, shades, shutters, custom drapery, and motorization. 
free in-home consultation and the only no-questions-asked warranty in the business. Ask about their exclusive inspired collection online at BudgetBlinds.com. BudgetBlinds.com. I speak from experience. Uh, all the windows on my first floor uh, are all put in by Budget Blinds. So thank you, Budget Blinds. I'm not only, you know, I'm not only reading their copy, but I am a, I am a, uh, what's the word? I'm a customer. Customer. Thank you, Nick. Yes. I'm a customer. You're not a fraud. I'm also a client. What's the, what was that, Cy Sperling's? I'm not only a hair club member, but. Yeah, hair club for men. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Al Bundy used to mock Cy Sperling in episodes with a hair club for men. Boy, I, I really unleashed a monster by by sending you that story. You keep, you keep finding stories like that. <laughs> this show will go way off the rail. Um, all right. So we we uh, spoke a lot about Kamala Harris. Um, and I have no idea where Dawn is. She's been kind of checked out for pretty much the entire 9 o'clock hour. Anyway, um, I have a, uh, we talked about uh, Kamala Harris. Um, she, was, uh, she, she had a one-on-one interview last night with Laura Coates. Oh, CNN. Hey, hard-hitting interview. I'm hard-hitting presuming. interview. There we yes. go. Um, so, but you're right. They are trotting her out as like the, you know, she's going to speak for, you know, she's going to speak for the women in the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to start with cut nine here. Uh, was asked about uh, her being branded as incapable. <laughs> and uh, she played the woman card. That said, most people uh, have, you know, it's because I'm a woman that they say that I'm incapable. No, it's because you talk that you're incapable. Uh, this is cut nine, Phil, go. The, I was watching you on stage, watching the reactions from the crowd, mm-hmm. looking you in the eye with your passion that you were displaying and talking about so many issues. And yet, you hear candidates suggesting that a vote for President Biden, because of his age is somehow a vote for you, and that is hurled as an insult. It's intended to demonstrate some negative viewpoint towards you. What is your reaction to this thought that with your background in particular, with your career, that there is some thought that you are incapable? Well, I I think that um, most women who have risen in their profession who are leaders in their profession, have had similar experiences. Mm. Um, I was the first woman to be elected district attorney. I was the first woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California. And I'm the first woman to be vice president. And I love my job. <laughs> cue, up the, cue up the cackle. The uncomfortable laugh. Create the uncomfortable moment between you and the interviewer. Unbelievable. No, it's not. It, it, it's not that she's incapable because she's a female. It's incapable. She's incapable because this is not a good fit for her. She could be. I mean, look, she's got a law degree. She's probably smart. She's accomplished as a prosecutor. She was the state's attorney general. You, you don't get those jobs as a total hack that can't do the job. She's just not suited to be the vice president of the United States. You know, we talk about. And I guess somebody, I don't know, maybe it was Dawn or Greg that said she used to speak differently or something to that effect. It Maybe it's the same thing as DeSantis, where, like, you know, he was good in the element of being a Florida governor. He's just not presidential. Maybe it's the same thing with Kamala, where she's got too many people in her ear. I mean, there's got to be a moment as just a competitive person, because i got to imagine she's got a little fire to her. Like, 
where she just goes home one day and says, I'm so sick and bleep and tired of all these people thinking that I'm incompetent. Like, she should just let it rip and be authentic instead of just giving us these these soliloquies and word salads that are either scripted or she's trying to come off smarter than she is because it doesn't land. It's like DeSantis. It does not land. Um, but she seems she seems to speak in a thick... She's like, somebody see in the bar? And right. Uh, like, there's something over-medicated about her speech. It's a thick speech. And I think that's a piece of it. And like you said, she's always giggling and... La- everything's a big joke. I would like to go back if I could find it, and I, I'll, I'll look for this later today. I'm wondering if there are clips of her on YouTube when she was. A, now you would have to have cameras in the courtroom, but I would like to hear her in her opening statements or her closing statements uh, as a prosecutor, and just see if she's got that real heavy delivery like you're talking about, or if she had more um, more piss and vinegar to her. Because whatever she's doing now, it just makes it look like she is. Pretty close to brain dead. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, there's no way she could have been like that as a prosecutor. No. She, her, her her conviction rate was off the charts. People were scared of scared scared as you know what to be in front of her in a court because you knew you were going away for the max. It, it's funny too because in this interview they play all the hits. You know, she talks about you know people underestimate me because I'm a woman. That was the first clip. And then this one, she's going to talk about uh, our democracy being in danger because of January sixth. Um, abortion came up, so they're trotting her out to play all of the most important. I said this earlier to play all the most important hits of the Biden administration. So they must trust her on some level, right? No, well, there's. I mean, yes, for this, because and you heard that last clip last segment around 915 or so when we played it for you, mm-hmm. where she I mean, she grabbed the football, she ran with it yeah. and she spiked it at the end. And you could see you could hear the energy raise in her voice. Yep. So if she did that more often, even if she's wrong, but at least if she had some conviction with what behind she's saying, it might actually resonate with people. Uh, in this cut, this is clip 10, she says, talking about January 6th and democracy or on the ballot and all that stuff, she says the hallmark of a democracy is civic participation. Cut 10, Phil, go. When you look ahead and you see what is coming down the road, particularly, you know, the next time of the calendar date Mm -hmm. is January 6th. Madam Vice President, the last time we saw an election year, presidential election year of a vice president overseeing certification of the election, we saw what transpired Mm -hmm. with our eyes. There is concern that many actually believe that we do not have free and fair elections in this country. Do you have concerns about how to approach the certification process again on January 6th? I think everyone is right to be vigilant in demanding that we maintain our democracy and we uphold its pillars, which includes the integrity of a free and fair election system. And that means addressing, for example, the intimidation that has happened with poll workers. I was recently in Georgia speaking with poll workers who have been the subject of attack or are fearful of volunteering their time in our elections because they feel a sense of civic duty. It's important for all of us to stand and say we support people who do that work and they should not be attacked. It is important that we all remember that a hallmark of a democracy is civic participation, which means let's all vote. I'm not telling you who to vote for, Mm -hmm. but please, 
in the midst of all that you've got going on, take the time to fill out a ballot. If you can vote by mail, then send it in. Sometimes you might have to stand for quite some time in line, but please do. In spite of, again, in states like Georgia, who pass laws that make it illegal to even give you food and water if you're standing in line. Um, but it matters. It matters. And elections matter. The voice of the American people matter. And one of the ways that, that we all express our voice is through our vote. So she's sitting there talking about the civic duty to go out there and vote, yet apparently somebody from from the left is sending out AI phone calls with Joe Biden about yeah, New Hampshire and the primary is not important. Save your vote for November, which would run counter to what she just said there. And also, I, I why wonder, do you think it's from the left, by the way? Hmm? Why do you think that robocall thing is from the left? Because the Democrat phone number on the uh, the caller ID that yeah, came but up? we said that it can be well, it could be, be when we don't know one okay. way or the other. It's just my theory just curious okay just my theory um but i want to point out the lie that kamala harris just admitted there uh when it comes to georgia um give me one second here because i'm going to scroll i saw this yesterday in regards to this clip that somebody was commenting on in georgia they did not here you go on cnn kamala harris repeats the lie that georgia's election integrity law banned people from giving voters water in the lines at the poll that is a lie. It banned people specifically affiliated with campaigns from giving people water. Poll workers are still permitted to provide people water, which that was such a big story. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, OK, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, I get it. I've, I've lived in the South. It's warm. But let's not act like people are dropping over dead from dehydration, <laughs> standing in line to vote. It's not like they took water from a marathon runner who just ran 26 miles. Mm-hmm. The, way that, the way the media ran with that story, it's like the Jim Crow 2.0 stuff in Georgia. I'm like, what are you talking about? New York is more restrictive than Georgia is. It's a blue state. Uh, one Sorry, more, I had to find that quote. One more from Kamala. You know she is the border czar, so we were talking, uh, Laura Coates asked her about fixing the immigration system. Uh, this is what she said here. Cut 12, Phil, go. Anger on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, about an unsustainable border, what they're calling a crisis. Why can't this be accomplished during this administration? Well, so there is no question that our immigration system is broken. And so much so that we, as the first bill that we offered after our inauguration was to fix the immigration system, which included what we must do to create a pathway for citizenship Mm -hmm. and to put the resources that are needed into the border. But sadly, people on the other side of the aisle have been playing politics with this issue. The solutions are at hand. And, you know, gone are the days, sadly, where a President Bush or John McCain understood that we should have a bipartisan approach to fixing this problem, which is a longstanding problem. But what are those solutions? The solutions include putting resources at the border to do what we can to process people effectively and putting in place laws that actually allow for a meaningful, meaningful pathway to citizenship. Well, you're getting pretty thick in here when she starts citing uh, G.W. Bush and John McCain. Was that Nikki Haley for a moment? Oh, no, that was Kamala Harris. Good Lord. No, here's the thing. So you, this is what I'm doing. If, I, if I'm the House right now and I'm impeaching Mayorkas, I'm taking that clip with Kamala, 
I'm taking that clip of Joe Biden that we played for you earlier of him saying the border's been broken for 10 years and he's known that. And I am playing that and I am asking again, Mr. Mayorkas, under oath, do you think the border is broken and are we experiencing a border crisis? Because the president and the vice president are admitting it. And yeah. You're the one out here saying the border is secure. Yep. So, somebody's getting their messaging wrong. <laughs> uh, I want to go through a few of these clips. Uh, rapid fire. Nikki Haley, uh, the new media darling. <laughs> Nikki Haley uh, stopped by a New Hampshire polling place on a primary day here in uh, New Hampshire and w- was there with Chris Sununu. And uh, just a couple clips of her standing outside, though. This is cut 15, Phil. Let's start with this one. Go. Stepping up your attacks on Donald Trump, do you think he is mentally fit to hold the presidency I think he's mentally fit. The problem is, do you want two 80-year-olds running for president? I mean, seriously, in the military, you have to retire at 65. You know, you don't have surgeons doing surgery at 80. There's multiple things. It's just a fact that people start to decline. And when you've got a country in disarray and a world on fire the way we do, you need someone at the top of their game that can put in eight years that can go and get things back on track. That's what this is about, is making sure that we have the best person, not settling for the fact that, you know, two 80-year-olds running for president, but more than that, 70% of Americans have said they don't want a Trump-Biden rematch. So let's give them a choice. Let's give them some options. This is about giving them a new generational leader that's going to secure our border, that's going to get our economy back on track, that's going to get back to the basics in education. It's going to bring law and order back to our country, but it's also going to deal with these wars around the world so that America is safe and we're preventing war from going further. Governor. What if the best option is a 77-year-old? What if that 77-year-old is still very good at what he does? When I had my voice my voice surgery in 2017, the best option was a guy in Philadelphia who was 77. And I didn't say, I'm not going to have my procedure done by him. He worked on Adele. I was like, you know what? If it's good enough for Adele, it's good enough for Kale. I don't care if you're 87. You're still in practice and highly regarded. I'm going with you. By the way, if you were watching on YouTube, that was my fault. That was not uh, Phil Amkos' fault. I called out the wrong cut. <laughs> so I was wondering watching, how Sununu was talking if, while if Nikki was talking. That was, com- was, that was, was com- completely my fault, <laughs> not Phil's at all. One more, and then we have to break. Um, she says, uh, this is this is cut 18, Phil. I promise you, it's, it's cut 18. Uh, she says, it's not the party uniting around President Trump. It's the political elite, which is kind of <laughs> not what I... Uh, that's not the message that's going around. But anyway, this yeah. is what she said. Cut 18, guys, go. Governor, you're Party wearing a homemade uniting behind former President Trump. You say you're showing a message of unity. How do you... They haven't even voted here yet. They haven't even voted no, here. No, but I think, I think it's not the party <laughs> uniting around President Trump. It's the political elite that are uniting around that's President true. Trump. And the political elite have never been with me my entire career because I've always fought the political elite. <clears throat> it's why I want them to have term limits. It's why I want them to have mental competency tests. It's why I think that they're... I call them out on wasteful spending, whether they're a Republican or Democrat. It's why I've said if you can't give Americans a budget on time, you shouldn't get paid. I fight the political class. Donald Trump has the political class surrounding him. That's not what Americans want. The political class has gotten us into this mess. We need a normal, real person to get us out of this mess. 
Wow. Wait a minute. <laughs> so the outsider in Trump has the political elites yep. in his back pocket, mm. but the career politician is the outsider? Apparently. Finkel's Einhorn and Einhorn's Finkel. <laughs> she's the one who's uh she's the one who's backed by the Koch brothers. You can't get any more political elite than that. And Wall Street. I mean, what, what is she talking about? I, I, I'm blown away. That is the most absurd clip, and I'm sorry I waited until 9.48 to play it. That is the most absurd clip I've ever heard. Maybe Bru- she's smoking what Kamala's uh, smoking. I, I, yeah. <laughs> the hell yeah. of a party. Yeah. Um, you're gonna, I, I'm going to need you to email me that clip. Okay. We're gonna, I'm going to do something on the big take Ooh. with Nikki tomorrow, and that's going to be in there. Oh, yeah, that, wow. I, that, I mean, that is... What is she <laughs> talking about? <laughs> Trump is the political elite. I am not the political elite. No, you're the you you are the you are the epitome of political elite. That's about as accurate as saying the Eagles are playing in the NFC Championship yeah. this weekend. They're they not. just fired Brian yeah. Johnson. Oh my God! Wait, what? They just fired Johnson. Brian, yeah, the Brian offensive Johnson. coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've gutted everybody. Good. They're meeting today, aren't they? Yeah. Nick Sirianni stays though, right? I think he does. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we really have to break. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, We'll come back, wrap it up with uh, who won Twitter today, this day in music history, and what's on tap for the Dawn Show. Kale and Company, uh, final moments coming up next here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back in, Kale and Company, as we put a bow on a Tuesday show, the Dawn Show. Coming up in six minutes, and we find out what she has lined up this morning. Yeah, there's so much. I'm playing my uh, electric guitar over here. There is so much breaking right now. I didn't know you were were into that. She's just. (laughs) Who knew she was Eric Clapton? I know. Eric is down in my basement with me. Yeah, baby. Uh, Yeah, baby. So there is a cyber attack. It disrupting the Bucks County Department of Emergency Management's computer assisted dispatch program. This is a breaking news story this morning. Where they've they've confirmed this within the past twenty five minutes. We're watching that very carefully. They can still make the nine one one calls to the county police, fire, and rescue services. They're still receiving those, but a cyber attack Ooh, on wow. a nine one one system. Oh, That's boy. very concerning. Watching that very carefully and. What about Democrats in Pennsylvania having this big meeting, trying to overturn uh, a law in Pennsylvania regarding surgical centers and how that plays into the abortion debate? Mm. Are they moving toward putting abortion on the ballot in 2024? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I what are they up to? We got to watch. We got to watch this very carefully. So, of course, we are paying attention. We have at 10. Where's Guy Shiraki? 10.05. Our friend Guy Shiraki needs no introduction. His latest column, he's going to break it down for us. What politicians care about versus what parents care about in Philadelphia, the suburbs, and beyond, and why Pennsylvania maybe is a harbinger of things to come. And then Tom Nichols coming up at 11 in the 11 a.m. hour, 11.05, talking about election predictions, pundits, or psychics. We'll talk about the upcoming full moon some predictions, some breaking news, and plastics in your blood. There's a new study on how many plastics are really in your bloodstream. Mm. Uh, this is ch- a chilling new report. It's all, all right. coming up. All right, so I don't have any booze in my blood, but I apparently have plastic plastics. in there. Plastics. That's good to know. All right, let's find out uh, what today... Um, I, 
Today in music history. This day in music this history. This day in music yeah. history. What happened on this day in music history? Music history on Kaylin Company. Today, January 23rd, we celebrate the birthday of Robin Zander of Cheap Trick, who turned 71. Notable albums released today include David Bowie, Station to Station in 1976, Bad Reputation by Joan Jett in 81, and Slaughter, Stick It To You in 90. Notable singles include Summertime Blues by Blue Cheer in 68, Thriller by MJ in 82, and Whiplash by Metallica off Kill 'Em All in 84. And on this day in 1986, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducted their very first class, including Elvis, Chuck Berry, and Fats Domino. For Kalen Company, I'm Phil Alquist. All right, very nice. By yeah. the way, my parents had a date back in the uh, early 80s at a Joan Jett concert. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit of uh, Kale family history for you. Were you conceived at a Joan Jett concert? No, this was 82. Okay. Yeah. Well, About two years before they got uh, a little gotcha. crazy. Yeah. Here. There you Here go. And a half. Yeah. All right, uh, we wrap it up today with uh, who won Twitter today? Who won Twitter? Uh, Non-binary, fully sem- uh, semi-auto assault list Twitter. He says, abortion messaging is perfect for Kamala. All she needs is emotion. Doesn't need to make sense uh, or be can be coherent, only passionate. How dare they? That is correct. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for today. Stay tuned. The Dawn Show coming up in just about three minutes, and we will see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. As the binder would say, I'll see you tomorrow. Come talk to me. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday morning, 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.